Welcome to The Gone Show, the show where my guests and I explore anything and anyone that is now gone or might as well be. On tonight's episode, it doesn't sound like a bird, it doesn't sound like Superman, but it does sound like a plane. That's right, we'll be talking about aircraft listeners. And now, joining the world and beyond from the Gone Show studio in the American Midwest, the host of the Gone Show, Bannon Backus. Good evening, listeners. I want to start off tonight's show by letting all of you know that Conroy Pike is all right. Again, Conroy Pike, considered by many to be the world's greatest courier, is alive and well. And as a matter of fact, he's joining us tonight from the road by telephone. It's good to be here, and it's awfully good to be alive. In case you missed it, during the recording of our previous episode, Conroy was attacked by Lord Spade, a sentient potato who has made threats against Conroy and others associated with the show, and who, much to our horror, followed through on those threats during our last recording, with Conroy only just managing to escape. And I apologize for having to leave you in a state of worry. Lord Spade had broken the front passenger side window of my car when I managed to accelerate, which ejected Lord Spade from the hood. Unfortunately, my cell phone had slid under the gas pedal, so when I floored it, it was cursed. Well, we appreciate you managing to get a hold of us shortly afterward because we couldn't figure out a way to locate you, and needless to say, we were scared to death by what might have happened. As a matter of fact, I was the first to leave the studio and start looking for you. And of course, that's the voice of John Mad Jack Mitten, who passed away in the United Kingdom in 1834 and now manifests himself as an oversized mouth and mustache. And I have to say, John, when Jay and I left the studio to try to locate Conroy, I was surprised to see that you had already left. So it's good to hear that you had left to look for Conroy, and not out of, oh, I don't know, uncontrollable panic or terror from hearing Lord Spade's voice over the telephone. Well, I'm happy to have been able to put your mind at ease. Yeah, and it's a good thing, too, because by way of an introduction, I was just about to contrast an act of cowardice, like that would have been, with the bravery of our own Jay Stewart, who is a brain in a jar, and who has insisted on joining Conroy on the road so that Conroy can now have some backup. Uh, Good evening from the open road, everyone. Once again, I appreciate your insistence, Jay. I feel absolutely horrible for having involved everyone in this conflict, but deep down I'm very thankful for not having to face this alone. I'm reminded of a quote attributed to King Solomon, 
iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It's my pleasure, Conroy. As you know, I wasn't going to take no for an answer. After Conroy's encounter, all of us talked about what, if anything, we could do differently to keep everyone, especially Conroy, safe. Early on, we thought about contacting the police, but we all agreed that the police would hang up on us after we told them about being stalked by a psychopathic potato and be totally justified in doing so. And during this discussion, that's when Jay gave something of an ultimatum and insisted upon joining Conroy alone. And after some rather heated exchanges, all of us reluctantly agreed. And quite frankly, I'm still not sure it was the right decision. As I said, I've been fortunate enough to not only live a full life, but also the life I live now. If it was going to be anyone, it had to be me, and I'm happy to do it, too. It's been a very long time since I've been on the open road for any length of time, and I'm thoroughly enjoying myself. I'd forgotten how intoxicated the smell of night air from the open windows of a car could be. Good work, Jay. You continue looking after Conroy, whilst I help to look after things here. Oh, don't stay here on my account, John. I know how much being here and not there with Conroy and Jay runs counter to your heroic nature. It is extraordinarily difficult, but for better or worse. It's my curse to know when and where I'm most needed. Right, and now we're both cursed. How dare you? All right, well, similar to what I've said before, all of us love what we do here, and we're going to continue to do our best to do just that, because quite frankly, we don't know what else to do at this point. So now that we've updated everyone as to what's going on, we're going to take a short break before we get to tonight's topic. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Bro. And I'm Plunger. And if you didn't listen to Bro and Plunger in the mornings today because of being hungover from drinking too many apple teenies, here's what you missed. Okay, I have my gloves on and I'm picking up the jellyfish and I am putting the jellyfish in my underwear. I can't believe you're doing this for a 32-inch flat-screen TV. Uh, the jellyfish is in my underwear, and I feel it. His balls are going to look like raspberries. <laughs> Bro and Plunger in the mornings. Check your local radio listings for showtimes. 
Do you have a hard time getting animals to like you? Will a dog always go to the other side of the street when it sees you walking? Will a cat always go to the basement when you visit a friend's home? Well, no more. Introducing the Animal Confab System. With the Animal Confab System, you will learn how to let any animal know that you're inviting it to engage with you in a meaningful conversation. You will learn the most common examples of body language that often often mislead animals into thinking that you do not want to communicate. You'll also learn the facial expressions necessary to prevent all four-legged animals from mistaking sincerity for sarcasm. And if you order the Animal Confab system today, you'll receive a bonus booklet that details the favorite songs of the most popular animal species free. Visit the Animal Confab system website today and Talk Turkey tomorrow. The Animal Confab system does not purport to facilitate communication between animals and humans that is in any way similar to the typical communication between humans. Welcome back to Bogon Show. Welcome back to The Gone Show. Tonight, Jay Stewart and Conroy Pike are joining us by telephone, while John Mitten is watching over me here in the studio. You knew it just occurred to me. What if I, John Mad Jack Mitten, am your guardian angel? Jesus Christ. Don't ever say a thing like that ever again, not even jokingly. I remember hearing somewhere that every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. Maybe we can support you by ringing more bells, John. Something tells me that bell ringing alone wouldn't be enough. I don't know if there's a patron saint of lost causes, but we'd probably have to get him involved, too. If I remember correctly, it's St. Jude. I'm touched by everyone's concern. So tonight we're going to be discussing something that I only just recently became aware of, and that is aircraft listeners. That's an interesting term. I don't believe I'm familiar with it. Yeah, like I said, I wasn't either until recently. So an aircraft listener was someone who listened for approaching aircraft and did so by using a sound locator, which would often take the form of a device that used massive, conically shaped apparatuses to funnel the sound of an approaching aircraft to what was essentially a stethoscope for the aircraft listener to hear. Isn't that interesting? Basically, a lot of these sound locators look like giant horns from an oversized orchestra, which explains why these devices were often known as sound trumpets or war tubas. For the sake of my wings, it's a pity they didn't use giant bells. They couldn't make a bell big enough, John. With the name War Tuba, I assume these devices were used mostly during times of conflict. 
Correct. According to my research, they were first used by Britain and France to detect German airships during the First World War. With the technology available at the time, I suppose the use of something like that makes sense. Yeah, unfortunately from what I read, the range of a typical sound locator was only a few miles, though. Uh, That wouldn't afford much advance notice, would it? No, but following the development and use of sound trumpets and war tubas, the British introduced a new type of sound locator dubbed an acoustic mirror. And these acoustic mirrors were also used during the First World War. An acoustic mirror. Perhaps we should take a moment to reflect upon the sound of that. You know, I'm considering the possibility of no longer making any effort to pun. No, please, don't. I take it these acoustic mirrors had a better range than the war tubas. Yes, from what I read, they had a range of between 10 and 15 miles. But unlike sound trumpets and war tubas, acoustic mirrors weren't made to be transportable because acoustic mirrors take the form of gigantic concrete structures shaped like bowls that usually measure up to 30 feet across. They sound similar to a giant satellite dish. Or the cup belonging to some sort of giant concrete brazier. And the use of concrete would almost certainly be necessary for the type of support that would be needed for such a whacking great breast. Do you mind? No, I'm quite happy to help everyone to visualize tonight's topic. Yeah, that's you. Always happy to help. Moving on, there are basically two things that eliminated the need for aircraft listeners. One, the increasing speed of airplanes, which made sound locators less and less practical. And two, the invention and refinement of radar systems as we know them today around the time of the start of World War II, which immediately led to sound locators becoming obsolete around that same time. To quote Stuart Brand, once a new technology rolls over you, if you're not part of the steamroller, you're part of the road. Uh, That may be very true. All right. Well, as we begin to wrap things up for tonight, any final thoughts on aircraft listeners? Something tells me when it comes to any further thoughts I might have on acoustic mirrors, you wouldn't care for me to keep you abreast. John? Well, we've been talking about advance notice tonight, and Jay and I will be sure to keep you updated on things from here on the road. All right, and we'll keep you updated on anything that might happen on our end. Safe travels, you two. Yes, cheers to both of you. Yes, sir. Uh, We'll see everyone further on down the road. Okay, be careful.
To my guests and listeners, thank you. And until next time, good evening and good gone. The Gone Show was produced, created, performed, and written by Bannon Backus. The Gone Show is a presentation of BoomTube, B-O-O-M-T-O-O-B. All rights are reserved. Visit BoomTube online at BoomTube.com and Facebook.com slash BoomTube Network.